providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Well, welcome everyone to another installment of FNF Unplugged, and really happy to have with us today Jim Paolino. Jim is the CEO of Lodestar Software Solutions, based in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Jim, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Chuck. Happy to be on the podcast. And Jim, you know, something we always ask of uh, our guests on the podcast, how did you get into this industry? Very few people say they want to be in the title industry, and even fewer say, well, you know, uh, you know, as a first grader, I'm really thinking about being in a you know, support or fintech end of the title insurance industry. How did you come to be where you are? Yeah, very few people say they want to be a calculator salesman, right? So um, I, I actually grew up in the title space, and I think you either stumble into this industry or you're born into it. And for me, it was it was the latter. I grew up in a in a family owned title business, selling operation up in Rhode Island, and I was always around the office. I was the kid crawling on the filing cabinets when I was little. I remember there were typewriters used to type up policies. So while I wasn't working in the business at that point, I was always always around it. In high school and college, I would move all the boxes because they had to keep files, paper files for five years after any closing. So I would literally get a U-Haul truck, drive around New England, and then just slap boxes in terms of putting them into the warehouse and anything like that falling over, you know, dealing with the shredder and all of that type of stuff. So that that was my involvement of the industry until about 2009, 2010, when I was finishing up a degree in engineering, I got a call from my dad saying, hey, we need to do this good faith estimate thing. I don't really know what it is, but do you think you could uh, code something for us? And that was, as you remember, they added two pages to the HUD. The idea of the good faith estimate came into creation, really, on January 1st, 2010. And I had a solution in place for them at that point and helped them grow as a business from three states to being nationwide. It was a nice side gig for me as I finished up college and grad school, went into another job that I didn't really love. So I was doing that for a few years as a side hustle. Didn't think I'd really be in the title space but always really liked the idea of running a business and something I grew up around and really wanted to do. And in 2013, I said, hey, running a company can't be that hard. Let me give it a shot. I saw this, you know, trid thing coming in in a couple of years that seemed similar to, you know, the good faith estimate where I started the business. So let's put it together. How hard could it be? And at that point, I proceeded to make every small business mistake imaginable from bringing on folks who weren't a fit, uh, from not knowing how to price the product, not knowing who my target client was, all of these things there. So that nine years later, we're, we're still here uh, providing fee disclosures to title agents, to lenders nationwide. Well, you know, that background is, uh, it's important, I think, that everyone hears that. Because you're right, either you you grew up in the industry or you somehow stumbled into it, then you just couldn't get back out of it again. Yeah, Um, everyone gets trapped, absolutely. And even for a couple of years, I did um, work in the sales side of the the title business for the, the family company as well. So I wore that hat and for a little while too. You know, and you mentioned typewriters, and we have some listeners who are of such a uh, tender age, they may need to Google the term typewriter so they can see a picture of one so they know what it looks like. Uh, Though my understanding is that IBM Selectric still go for a premium on eBay if one really chooses to have one. But coming from that background, and, uh, you know, when you started um, as a mere youth, I was already in the profession back in the 80s and 90s. 
And, you know, we have seen so many changes, technological changes, but some of that technology, just as to, you know, addressing what you do at Lodestar, is something that is truly critical for title agents today as to their internal operations. And a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, we had uh, Ethan Pausner of FNF on the podcast to discuss the value of, of business analytics for mm-hmm. title and settlement professionals. Can you discuss your perspective? Because again, you've got the broad and lengthy perspective of the title industry, but also as to support and software solutions mm-hmm. for the title and settlement industry. What's your perspective on the value of business analytics and driving that internal technology platform? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great question. As someone who, who runs a business, if you can't measure something, you can prove it. Um, and very much the first step is figuring out what to measure and how to measure it and how to easily get that data together. And as I mentioned, I came from an engineering background, a process engineering background. So I just love breaking things into a process and trying to make it run better. And it's can be a little bit difficult for title agents too. I think even when I was on the sales side at, at the family company, it took a while to figure out, hey, what is our revenue per closing? How can we break that down? Okay, we get our revenue per closing, great. What is that revenue per state? What is that revenue for purchase? What is that revenue for refinances? What is that revenue per client? Uh, Title agents are unique in that you probably about a third of your files never close. So you're doing work for files that you will never receive revenue on, right? So let's look at that third. What is our cancellation rate? Who are our cancellation folks? Who are the folks who, hey, we're going to call and double check this order before we lift a finger on it because we know we don't want to waste time because you're probably going to pull this order on us, right? So those are the types of things that um, I found to have a lot of value because once you're able to do that, you can start to actually, you know, once you get the data, which is a problem in, in and of itself sometimes, you can then say, okay, what market makes sense for us to be in? Who is a very profitable client for us who is not so profitable. I talked on the revenue side and then you can do the other things. One thing I did is I went through every step of the process from title plant to review, to preparation of documents, to scheduling and say, how much time is being spent at this stage? You know, almost like a factory, like a production, because at the end of the day, title insurance is a commodity, in my opinion. So how much is it costing us to create this commodity? And so what is our actual profit on these deals and on these refis where our client is beating us up over price? What is our bottom line? When are we actually losing money on this? So those were the types of things that I looked at and found really interesting when I was on the title side of the business. So not sure how direct that was to answer your question, but one of the things I got really excited about. Well, no, I think it, it was a very uh, direct answer to it. And, and what I learned uh, a long time ago in the industry is yet yeah, not all customers are worth having. Yeah. Uh, and you have to figure out who that customer is not Mm -hmm. worth having and you know focus on the customers where you do make money and a fellow who was my mentor in the industry used to say you know our goal is to make at least one dollar on every file that every file be profitable and so uh yeah i think that uh, you know is really important and again from your perspective because you know having worked in the family title agency and say coming out of new england where attorneys are heavily involved in uh, the title industry as they are in many parts of the country These sorts of things, this is not just something for that mega agent who's doing hundreds or thousands of transactions a month, is it? I mean, this also applies to the attorney who may only be doing 20 transactions a month. 
in some ways is more valuable then because there's a higher impact, right? Because it's your money. It's, it's, it's always tougher dealing with one of those folks in my mind because they're spending money out of their own pocket. So I think that's when it becomes difficult. And that's also when the collection of data is their time. So you have to make that really clear and really easy for yourself of what are your KPIs, your key performance indicators? What are your most important numbers at any point? Is it orders in? Is it the balance of products that you're getting in? For us at Lodestar, we're always looking at our volume in terms of number of disclosures, number of new clients signed, our, our client pipeline. Um, but knowing what those more important numbers are for you to continue to track and have a sense of how things are going, because then you can make decisions. And in the title industry, for better or for worse, you kind of get a heads up of what the next one to two months are going to look like for you at any given point because of the transaction time. So if you get an order in today, you know, okay, this is what I can expect to realize from this order in August within a you know certain degree of confidence. Well, that business planning is so important. Uh, you can't mm -hmm. just plan to the end of the month that uh, you really have to start looking forward uh, into mm -hmm. the future quarters. And, uh, and what we're seeing and hearing from so many sources is you know, discussion of recession. Uh, we're seeing uh, purchases mm -hmm. slow down. We know refinances have essentially blown away. And that we could be seeing a pretty rough first quarter in a lot of areas, at least not just from the standpoint of not as good as recent first quarters, but maybe as bad as first quarters of five or six years ago. What are you hearing from, say, from your customers and clients? And what are their concerns about that as far as where we're going in business? I think, unfortunately, in many cases, it's, it's something that a lot of people just take as part of this industry, that it is cyclical in nature. You're never going to fully remove the dependence on that interest rate, even though if you look historically, when you started in the industry truck, I'm sure interest rates were commonly twice as much as they are now, if not higher than that. But I think there's always going to be a cyclical nature to what we do. I would say the good agents never really get too excited when things are going well but never get too upset when things are going bad. We work with 100 plus title agents, and I would say the folks who are always calm and successful have that product mix. They have purchase market plans. They have refi plans. Maybe they're doing commercial. Maybe they're doing HELOCs. Maybe they're doing REO work, right? We're, we're fortunate in this industry because people are always going to need a place to live, and there's going to be always a need to make sure that that is protected. I mean, that's going to drive this business in my opinion, for a very long time going forward, despite any of kind of the, the wins that you're seeing of things that, you know, uh, threaten to disrupt this industry. To your point, yes, the first loan I closed was a 16.5% VA yeah. loan. So, yes, when people are yeah. terribly shaking in, the, in their, you know, their knees are shaking about a, uh, right. you know, 5.5% interest rate, I uh, just yeah. shake my head. It's like, don't worry about that. Right. Well, and then too, through your career, right, you have the savings and loan crisis, you have the dot-com boom, um, you have the Great Recession, you have now COVID, right? And I'm probably missing two or three. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, more than I can probably remember. And I would say uh, but, I talked a little bit about what the good title agents do. In my opinion, another thing I'm seeing some, from some folks is their own willingness to change. One of the first title agents I tried selling to, I gave them a call and um, talked about you know how we can help disclose fees on their website. And the answer I got was, oh, our owner doesn't really like the internet. <laughs> right? So I, I heard a quote the other day, if you don't like change, you're going to hate the extinction. 
<laughs> and I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind in terms of, you know, having to change, having to adapt, having to keep moving forward with, with all of those things. It's just really, really important for title agents to do. And I see too many title agents. I feel like they manage their company like they're at a craps table at a casino. Things are going well. They're pulling money off the table. They're on that big craps run. Everyone's hitting points, you know, making all of these bets, putting a lot of money out there. Then you go to a period like we're in now where it's not going well. So you're taking money, usually out of your own pocket, putting it on the pass line, putting it on the pass line, putting it on the pass line, and then just hoping that you'll eventually get another hot craps run, right? Another hot market. And then that will, you know, make up for all of that money that you've put in. Hope is a very poor plan. And yeah. uh, yes, to uh, your point, uh, the, you know, snowshoes never help the dinosaurs. And in addressing that, you know, as far as that environment and culture uh, in regard to title agencies, what sort of culture is necessary to be created in a company to gain acceptance of, you know, the value of using business analytics, dashboards, mm-hmm. things of that nature, what is the job of that change champion in uh, uh, the typical agency? I think it all boils down to what you're measuring at the end of the day. And the numbers should have an impact to the people who are involved because then they're going to care about them. So if you're you know, working in a, the kind of front end of the process, pre as I've heard it called in a lot of folks, you know, the, the initial, the title plant, the title search, and you do work on files that 30% of the time don't close, get canceled, you probably wouldn't want to waste your time doing that, right? That probably frustrates you for the most part of working on things that, that don't go anywhere, or just get pulled off from under you. So if there's any way of preventing that, you'd probably like to do that, right? Or if you're a salesperson and you're based off some sort of top line commission or position of premium, hey, I want to know what clients drive this the most. I want to know what type of deals drive this the most. I want to know what to shoot for. I'm probably going to make about five or six different quotes of different phrases during this. But one of my favorite ones is, um, you can't herd cats, but you can control where you put their food. Right. So you can control people's behavior will be based off of that, whether it be something commission or what frustrates people or what's that path of least resistance. Right. You're able to by measuring things that have an impact on their job, you're ultimately going to affect behavior and not necessarily in a negative way, just like, hey, we're all trying to do the same thing. And it's your responsibility as someone owning the company for it to be profitable, right? Like there's you know, certainly a lot of ways to, to be a charitable organization. That's not what title agents are. As a business, you need to be profitable and you need to figure out how to do that. Well, and to your point, and so many of our uh, guests uh, have said uh, the same thing, that when you're creating that culture to bring in, you know, through engagement, your employees, they understand what is it, where are we going, mm-hmm. how are we planning on doing that, why are we planning yeah. on going that way, and what ideas do you have mm-hmm. in regard to assisting this? And, and you know, when we've there have been a lot of conversations and, yeah. and say Ethan's talked about them and, and we've talked about, about, you know, use of executive dashboards and things like that. Mm. What are they really, to your mind, you know, how should they work and what should they do for those users? And likewise, again, in that culture discussion of those executive dashboards right. uh, with uh, everybody's uh, employees. I think it's important. So that's that's a good question. And I think one thing that's tough to kind of the second part of your question about building that culture is as an owner, I know I'm, I've been always very nervous to share 
numbers, especially revenue numbers, client information, things like that. And over the last year, I finally started getting over that where I looked at, we have basically four departments at our company. Three of them have directors and then myself and our co-founder kind of make up our management team. So five people. And this year we instituted uh, basically a profit sharing commission and every month they get to see top line revenue as well as revenue per client that we're getting. And sharing that information, which I was very nervous to do at first, it's been so helpful because by giving that information to people, they know kind of, they can prioritize themselves. They know, oh, this is a big client. This isn't a big client. This is someone, oh, we spent a lot of time closing them. We've been successful with this. Like that information can be super helpful, but you have to kind of get over the fear of, of what people are going to do with that. And I think that's a very real thing that people have of not wanting to disclose too much information. Um, and that can really hurt you at the end of the day. I could not agree more with you. I think that uh, having everyone engaged helps you, especially as we're going through transitional times. I'll use that mm -hmm. term because yeah. we are certainly going through that. And you know, we're coming off an almost three-year surge in business with the overlay of COVID. Hopefully, we won't have that kind of what I would call a perfect storm of activity where you're trying to handle what may be one of the largest real estate markets in history um, while you're in lockdown. But, you know, in regard to that, you know, how can analytics and how can that sort of culture that we're discussing make any such future storm easier to navigate? So we were going through it a couple of years ago, just like everyone else. It was March, you know, March 2020. And we were seeing volume growing because interest rates were pretty low then. And then everyone shut down. So overnight, our volume got cut in half. And I know for some title agents, it was even worse than that. My co-founder, who at the time just had his first child, had a one-week-old at home and was basically sending me emails about mortgages becoming obsolete at one in the morning, right? Sending me, texting me different articles, basically any doom and gloom thing that he could decide. And then saying, oh, what are we going to do? Are we going to let people go? How are we going to change, right? So the first thing I did was we're not having this conversation at 11 p.m., right? We are having this conversation <laughs> at 2 p.m. on a Thursday. I'm getting as much data as we have about our numbers and we're putting it in there. And what we did was a sensitivity analysis, it's called. So we looked at, we have X number of orders coming in every day. For us as quotes, it's obviously a little different than title orders, but same idea. This is the volume we have coming in predictably. This is where it's at now. This is our revenue per click, our revenue per closing in the case of title agents. And now let's play with that number. What happens if that goes down 20%? What happens if that gets cut in half, right? What does that realistically look like to our profits? Because some costs are tied to that. You have per order costs, obviously. So let's figure out with our modeling, okay, where is that line? So what happens if we lose 10%, if we lose 20%, if we lose 50%? And in many cases, it may not look quite as bad as you as you think. It's, it's not great, obviously, losing 50% of any business overnight. But by putting it out in that kind of unemotional way, it made it helpful to deal with. And then every week we'd look at those models. We look at our numbers from the last week and we still do now two plus years later of saying, okay, where are we at with our volume? Where are we at with our costs? How are we looking with all of that? And it's allowed us to make decisions and make projections going forward and not overreact in the, in the moment when you see you know, headlines that may not really totally affect your business. To your point there too, as far as you know, moving forward and knowing what you do at Lodestar as far as fee disclosures, and you've been in that line of work for some time. And as you've discussed, you know, sometimes a tough sell to people. But you know, more and more when we talk to title agents and settlement service providers, 
who are moving forward, thinking forward, they're talking about the use of AI and the use of you know business intelligence and automation of services. Mm-hmm. And you know, to that end of uh, oh my God, the sky is falling, which it rarely does. It hasn't fallen on me yet in all the years that I've been doing this, mm-hmm. even though it seems yeah. to have some dark clouds occasionally. But can you talk about that and say, especially you say what you do at Lodestar is a component. Yep. of that and how you know removing that sort of ministerial sort of well non-income generating work from staff how that can help not only from the standpoint of culture so the staff feels like okay i'm not spending my time doing sort of things that mm-hmm. anybody could do is a matter of addition and subtraction but you know also what it does in terms of uh being able to have that cost containment and be able to yep. deliver a uh, better and happier product to uh, all one's customers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think taking a bigger picture view at this, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. It's called The um, Five Love Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. And this is a concept, the five love, love languages that's been out for a while about relationships, but it can also apply to work. And it's how people show appreciation. So they were talking about people leaving jobs because they don't feel appreciated. In the book, they say that the cost of replacing employees nationwide is in the trillions of dollars because it is incredibly expensive to do, to go find a new employee, train them, spend your time interviewing, doing all of that. And in my experience, that is something that the title industry is not great at because very often when you hit cycles like we have now, transitional periods, as you said, you see layoffs, right? We've seen them in the headlines right now, whether it be on the lending side, the title side, lenders shutting down, then it's painful and it's heartbreaking to see. And some of that, unfortunately, may be unavoidable every time volume changes quite so dramatically, especially if there are businesses that are really dependent on one product segment like refinances. But the way that you can avoid that and something where we've had success right now at Lodestar during this period is let's automate, let's have one of our employees do as much as possible. So if there's something that they don't have to spend their own time on, great, because it gets it out of their hands. And also that means when our volume changes, going back to that sensitivity analysis, we'll be able to continue to do more with less, right? And then when things get busier, we'll be more profitable because they're not taking their time doing it. And someone picking up the phone, sending an email, and then punching in numbers and sending out a quote that may take 10 minutes or less every time, but happen 20 times a week or more, that really adds up, especially when it's time that can be spent engaging with the customer, dealing with serious problems, training people, and literally anything else other than punching in numbers, right? Like this is this is something that's very easy to automate. And it's not the only thing, right? There's a lot of automation that folks in this industry have slowly adopt from the order entry process to OCR with documents. So you're not punching things on typewriters in quite the same way you used to. Whatever steps that you can make to, you know, really leverage your team's time and have them doing more with less is going to help you not only you know, I'm not saying go fire half your staff and do this, but it's going to help you deal with the ups and downs of the industry. Because from what I've seen of the industry, overtime is very expensive and it's very frequent, right? So even if you can cut down on how much regular overtime you're paying, these are things that are going to have a lot of benefits to your company. And they're very easy to do because there's so many little examples of them. There's no silver bullet, but you just have to use kind of a whole lot of lead ones to slowly chip down. And I think People hear, you know, AI and they think of robots taking over and things like that. And like, there's really no AI in title, in my opinion, right now. There's machine learning, there's automation, there's other things there. Um, But there are a lot of 
very easy, low level things that you're able to do and get off people's plates. And the only way to do that is to start breaking down the process and figuring out what steps does everyone do and where can that be changed? Are you the best person for this job? Because you might not be or might not, you know, you don't need to do it. Someone else can. So, you know, minutes per day become hours per week and become days yeah. per year. And so it does all mounts up. And what you can do, and I say, I know at Lodestar and other aspects of the industry as well, but accessibility. Every loan officer, every real estate professional I've known has always said, you know, being accessible, being able to take that phone call when it first comes in sometimes is how I, and sometimes the only way uh, that I get the transaction is if I don't pick up the phone or if I don't respond to that email or text right away, they're going to move on to the next person. And in the title and settlement industry, I think I say, especially as we go through these transitional times here, it seems to me that uh, that's going to be just as important in title and settlement to be able to respond on a 24 hour a day basis. I mean, in some cases, but at the same time, Chuck, there are a lot of folks, especially as the industry is getting younger and younger of, sure, I can talk to you, but if you give me the tools to do this myself, I might not be working from nine to five on a Thursday. I might have to do things early in the morning, late at night on weekends. And I know I don't necessarily need to call you all the time. So just give me what I need to go and do this. And you're going to save everyone's time. Right. And I think that's a way of starting to look at it too, of yes, that handholding is important. And I think you definitely need to do that, especially when things go awry in a transaction as they often do. But I think it's a lot better that you'll have your team available to deal with those sort of things than more mundane parts of the process, like an initial disclosure or an initial quote. Well, yeah, I think your points are so well made. And I I just want to uh, add here before we do wrap up uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, you have your own podcast series. Um, and You've had me on as a guest, which thank you very much. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're about to roll out uh, a new season here shortly. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. It was actually while I was on paternity leave. So it was was (laughs) helpful to uh, have some some, uh, guests um, in the queue there. And our, our podcast is Lodestar Lending Leaders. We talk about the title industry, the mortgage industry, marketing, kind of all things tangentially related to the industry. We start our new season Thursday, September 8th. And you can get this on on YouTube at Lodestar Lending Leaders, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts. So yeah, I definitely appreciate the opportunity. We're actually wrapping up. We do a series in the summer, so there are weekly episodes. I closed on a house about a week and a half ago. First time home buyer actually at 35 because I lived in cities and just always rented. So we walked through the process of it was very enlightening too, because there were a lot of parts of the industry I knew very well and parts I knew nothing about. So that was what we've been covering lately. And talking about the title industry, I had to call the title company a week before the closing because my wife got COVID and we had to figure out how to do a closing now without having to go into the office. So definitely near and dear to my heart right now. So you've got to experience the thrill and pain (laughs) that sometimes people have to do with in settlement Uh, and say, you know, at at 35, I think that's right now about our statistical average, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, In regard to uh, uh, first time homeowners. So, well, great. And congratulations on that closing. Uh, You know, and just anything else uh, you want to throw in here before we wrap things up? 
No, thanks so much for having me on. I think you know the title insurance industry is near and dear to my heart, and I think it's is an industry that's going to be around for a while, despite kind of you know all of those outside forces there. And I just you know think that everyone there should take a lot of pride in what they do because they may not be in the initial part of the process, but they really are the last line of defense in the transaction to making sure everything goes through correctly. And I think that is a really important place. And I would say going through the process, it was one of the the folks I was dealing with that I feel truly had my back the entire time. Well, yes, as the uh, South American economist Fernando de Soto has said, the free and secure alienation of real estate is the basis of the wealth of the United States. And we are that secure part of it. So, uh, and we're happy to be part of it. And yes, we need to tell our story as much as possible so people do understand what we do. Jim, again, thank you so much for joining us here today. And thanks to all of our listeners for uh, joining us here today on another installment of FNF Unplugged. And uh, look forward to speaking to everybody next time. Have a great day. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.